Entrepreneur, author, and financial consultant Mark Bernstein helps high-performing entrepreneurial business owners create a vision for the future and follow through on their goals and intentions. Ange Honorato is a business growth strategist who blends psychology and business together to create conscious leaders and business owners who impact the world. Founders Forum is a radio show podcast sharing the real stories behind entrepreneurship as founders discover more about themselves while providing valuable lessons and some fun and entertainment for you. Now, here's Mark and Ange. Good morning, America. How are you? This is Mark Bernstein. Ange is on break for this show. Um, And it is the day before Thanksgiving, uh, 2023. You may be listening to it later than that on podcast, but we're live in Philadelphia. I have a special guest, someone I'm really excited to speak to this morning, Mike Binder. And um, Mike, I'll talk to you about this. We always start with a little theme and mine today is gratitude appropriately with Thanksgiving in uh, in the air. And what happened was this. I woke up a little sour this morning. I don't usually do that. I usually wake up positive, energetic, ready to go. But few issues I was dealing with and a little sour. And I got in line at my local Starbucks. Um, wanted to get something on the way into the radio station. And I, the lady in front of me was ordering for an awful long time. And I found myself like complaining, like, what is she doing? And I might have even been vocal about it. She might have even seen it. I didn't mean for her to. Anyway, I got up to the window and I'm thinking, oh, it's going to take a while. I got to pay. I was paying cash. And, and, the, and the woman in the window says, um, no need to pay. The lady in front paid for your breakfast for you. So I just got a big smile on my face and realized that she was uh, spreading some cheer probably for the holiday or maybe to calm my sour mood if she saw it. And I was very, my attitude went from whatever I was, agita to gratitude immediately. I did some of my mental work that I do in the car on the way here, and I was actually listening to the station, WWDB, and they were playing some happy holiday music, and I was just in a very uh, spirited mood, and it's just it's amazing how your thoughts and attitude can change on a dime. Mike, any thoughts about gratitude from your perspective? Sure. I know you have a lot to be grateful for. I, I sure do. I mean... I got uh, six kids, eight grandkids, great wife, uh, amazing, four dogs. You know, I'm, I'm a happy guy, except I have a cold. So, yeah, but well, that that's going around. But uh, so a lot to be thankful for. Your family will all be together for Thanksgiving. I take it. No, they're yeah. in Florida, they're all California. Over. Yeah, you know, mine, all over the place. Mine too. Mine too. But they'll be home for the other holidays in December, so we'll see them then. Um, So my guest this morning, as I've already said, is Mike Binder. Mike has a very interesting background. He came from the sign and specialty construction business and still consults on jobs like that. But among other things, if you're in Philadelphia, the bell that rings for home runs at Citizens Bank Park, that was Mike's design and construction, and he's done some very interesting landmarks around this city and around the country. Um, he got out of that business officially a number of years ago. And since then, he's done a number of things. I won't list all the companies, but all related to innovation is kind of the theme we were talking about. And a current company that he heads is called E-Squared Home. And I bring that up because it's going to be relevant to the conversation we're going to have today. And he's a partner in Deem Enterprises. And they are doing something very interesting in Atlantic City that many people may not know about. 
And I guess not everything can be spoken about because they're still in the approval process. But uh, Mike, why don't you tell us a little bit about that project and what's going on there? Well, it's a, uh, a transformative project that is occurring on Bader Field. Uh, Bader Field is 143 acres. It's uh, the largest, I believe, or one of the largest pieces of undeveloped coastal uh, property on the Atlantic seaboard. Uh, there are uh, an abandoned um, baseball field, uh, an abandoned uh, skating uh, uh, arena, and uh, uh, a fire station currently on the site. And we, uh, we have looked at that project uh, in particular, I've looked at it for about six years. Uh, we have about 350 professionals uh, of varying disciplines that are working on it uh, collectively now. Uh, so, Mike, may, if I could just, what will that look like in your vision when it's completed? Well, it will be the uh, destination on the East Coast for uh, not only motorsports, but for innovation. And um, we are bringing to uh, that project some things that uh, uh, really have not been done from a developmental perspective. Uh, we're going to be putting in a hydrogen microgrid, uh, which basically um, will uh, have a byproduct of water as it produces energy. And there's a tremendous amount of um, uh, interest and uh, incentives relative to uh, hydrogen right now because it's uh, really the fuel of the future. Uh, it's safe. It's, uh, uh, again, the byproduct is water. So instead of uh, traditional uh, fossil fuels, uh, which have methane and carbon, uh, emissions uh, um, will be uh, net zero carbon at the completion of our project. Uh, we'll have. I'm, I just want to ask you. So, due to my work in the nonprofit area, I'm involved with um, innovation and um, familiar with hydrogen cells, particularly in regard to cars. And you shared with me a story about that yesterday. Um, driving in a hydrogen sure. car. What happened afterwards? Well, it's 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 interesting because everybody thinks that the um, big car manufacturers are moving toward electrification, which is true to some extent. But the ultimate uh, uh, goal is to get to the hydrogen fuel cell. And I was in a hydrogen fuel cell car in California. I think we went about eighty miles. Uh, we came back, and the uh, guy had a little spigot at the bottom of the the car, he opened it up and put a jar underneath it and water came out and then he drank the water. <laughs> and I thought to myself, this is the way to uh, uh, really get rid of uh, just an enormous amount of pollution. And it was very, very impressive. It resolves the problem of the lithium battery to a large extent. Well, the lithium battery has a couple of, of issues, though. One is that uh, if it catches on fire, it's very difficult to put out. Right. But it's also a rare earth mineral. So right. we're relying on a lot of different uh, countries for that rare earth. 
And even though battery efficiency is uh, getting better and better and better, it's uh, it's not uh, to me the panacea. So, so back back to the uh, Renaissance at Bader Field. So what what does that look like when complete? We were just starting to get into that. although the centerpiece of it uh, will be about two point four four mile uh, motor course. The um, we want to take Bader Field and on the low end, the southeast end, we want to raise it about seven feet above um, uh, established grade because it was a the the first airport, a commercial airport in the U.S. So it's it's very flat. Uh, at the high end, we want to be about thirty five feet above established grade, and uh, part of the purpose in doing that is to create a topography that's uh, rolling, uh, but it also has a secondary uh, uh, consideration, which is the uh, noise mitigation. So we don't want to do anything that's going to disturb any established neighborhoods. So the the motor course itself is surrounded by uh, about fifteen hundred residences mm. uh, of varying types, and um, we'll have. Um, Somewhere between eight and ten thousand geothermal wells will have um, uh, solar uh, somewhere around twelve megawatts. Uh, we'll have battery backup storage, and uh, one of the things we're very excited about, which uh, you had uh, mentioned earlier, which was kind of the hallmark of the East Squared Home, uh, is the building envelope technology. Uh, we'll be using the material called FRP systems, which... This is where E-squared home comes into play. Yeah, this was the kind of the... the E-squared home was the genesis of our thinking. Yep. So um, the uh, building envelopes are constructed to withstand about 190-mile-an-hour wind loads, um, about 250-mile uh, impact resistance. And I don't know if you've ever been in a hurricane, but... Uh, there is debris flying everywhere, and uh, uh, what we want to build is a home that is virtually indestructible. Uh, in addition, traditional construction may give you uh, an insulative factor of R13, R14, R15. We're going to be so, uh, north of R40. So the net result is it will take much less energy to heat and cool these dwellings uh, in addition to the... Uh, uh, resiliency of them, and they. By the way, it's built right on the coastline. I understand, so it's. I mean, it's right. It's gonna. It will be something. Be a model for the world. Really, well, that's that's really the 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 thinking behind it. Uh, you know, Einstein said, "Doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result is the definition of insanity." Yeah. Yet when you see coastal construction, it's traditional construction and. Uh, you only have to look at Hurricane Ian to understand that um, uh, it's certainly not sustainable and it's certainly not resilient. It, it's, uh, you know, I, I, it's amazing to me. They, they're rebuilding Sanibel as an example. Yep. And only to be destroyed again in the future from what I can tell. Right? I mean, maybe it's a little higher level of... Uh, well, what you're, what you're seeing, Mark, in uh, Florida, and you're going to see it along the coastal areas, uh, everywhere is that insurance companies are pulling out. They're tired of insuring um, 
uh, dwellings that uh, they have to um, pay the uh, pay the freight to rebuild them every four, five, six years. So uh, they're just pulling out. I mean, all state farmers, State Farm, uh, just an array of other insurers are pulling out of these areas. And you know, we're so confident of our um, technology, we're actually going to. Uh, establish a captive insurance company where we insure the uh, dwellings ourselves. Mike, one of the things that's, that fascinates me about this, we were just talking about this this morning, is the impact. Everyone knows that Atlantic City is not what everyone hoped it would be. Um, there's still poverty there. There's still a lot of homeless people. There are, there are issues. And it's, you know, bordering on towns that are very wealthy because of you know, vacation properties, et cetera. And it, it appears that this is this is designed also to have a positive impact on Atlantic City and its surrounds. Can you talk about that for a little bit? Yeah, I, I, I started in Atlantic City back um, with Resorts International. I had worked on that casino. And mm. subsequently, I'd worked on, I think, uh, four other casinos. There are actually five other casinos. So I've been around Atlantic City and I've seen um, the, um, what the casino industry uh, has meant and there's been positives and negatives. Well, one of the negatives has been that, you know, the casinos and their business model want you to stay in their building and I understand that. But there hasn't been a whole lot invested in the community. So... We believe that what this is going to do is herald a, uh, a change in housing, a change in people investing in Atlantic City. Because what, what people don't realize is that Atlantic City has a little bit of an identity problem. And it's right. actually getting very, very uh, interesting as a uh, city. There's a lot of really good things going on there. They've got a great city council. They've got an incredible mayor. And um, for finally, right? Yeah, finally, some finally, yeah. finally, and you know the uh, the uh, state is starting to understand that Atlantic City is the, really kind of the crown jewel uh, of the shoreline in terms of uh, commercial endeavors. I mean, it, what should be the crown jewel of New Jersey, like it was many many years ago? Well, it's the, it's the second largest uh, casino destination in the country. Right. It's first in sports book. It's first in uh, um, e-gaming. So um, Atlantic City has so much to offer, and it's starting to get known. I mean, Atlantic City had um, 27 million visitors this year, mm. and we have 98 digital screens on the boardwalk where we're actually counting people. So we balance our um, advertising uh, pitch uh, with empirical data. And people are amazed at the amount of people that are coming to Atlantic City. And you and I are both old enough to remember uh, Atlantic City as, as children in its glory days sure. in terms of a shore destination. With that, Mike, we're going to take a quick commercial break. And uh, we will be right back with Mike Bender on Founders Forum. 
Establishing a self-directed Roth IRA or other self-directed retirement plan offers access to investment options usually only available to well-connected or wealthy individuals. Anyone can build wealth and achieve tax-free income for life and financial freedom without the inordinate risk of speculative investing, securities trading, exotic financial instruments, or hoping for the best from the stock market. Since their start in 2003, Cama Plan has come to be synonymous with expertise, flexibility, responsiveness, and diversity in investment choices. They provide innovative investment opportunities for investors seeking direct control and more choices in how they deploy their investment capital. Cama Plan doesn't just make it possible to invest in alternative assets, they also teach investors how to put their money to work. Take the road to financial freedom today. Go to camaplan.com slash IO. We are back on Founders Forum with our guest today, Mike Binder of Deem Enterprises. So, Mike, we were talking about hopefully the not only the renaissance of Bader Field, but hopefully the renaissance of Atlantic City as well. Um, you, you mentioned to me earlier, there's also part of your overall proposal, and it's still in the proposal stage, I understand, um, would be to help... Um, lower taxes in Atlantic City to promote business and to promote living there, et cetera. Yeah, we'll lower the property taxes from the current rate, which I believe is 3.91 to somewhere around 1.91, which will make it very attractive for developers to come in and and, uh, start to develop uh, areas in Atlantic City. You're, You're starting to see that now. And by the way, you're a resident, or at least a part-time resident. Yeah, I, I live uh, part-time in um, in uh, Chelsea Heights, which is um, four blocks from Baderfield. Excellent. So, will you be moving to Baderfield when it's complete? Oh, I I don't know. Who knows? Oh, maybe <laughs> we'll see what see what happens. <laughs> if I'm still around. See what happens. Um, you have. We talked about. Um, I'm going to do things a little out of order from what we usually do. Well, actually, I want to ask you something first. Um, we like to ask people on the show about their future vision. And you certainly have a lot of vision for the future. So if this were 10 years from now, Mike, and we're looking back, so the year is towards the end of 2033, um, and you're looking back on the last 10 years, what would you like to have happen that um, in your life professionally in terms of what you're doing, developing family, because there's a lot there, personally, professionally, financially, any of that, what would your vision look like for that 10-year period? In other words, if you're looking back to make that the successful 10 years you envisioned, what would that look like? Well, I'm a a aficionado of uh, uh, kind of um, doing things anecdotally. Mm. And I like the, uh, the notion of uh, if you give a man a fish, he eats for the day. If you... If you teach him how to fish, he eats forever. For his life. Yeah. We, we want to turn uh, Atlantic City and the environs into uh, a legion of fishermen because there's going to be so much opportunity educationally and uh, technically in this project that um, we'll be a skunk works for um, people that uh, uh, can learn these new technologies. Uh, and as I had said earlier to you, uh, technology changes so rapidly 
and people that uh, think they have it solved today in a year, two years, three years, that technology could become obsolete. We want to make sure that people uh, follow that path where they're uh, emerging with technology as technology emerges. And uh, there's no greater legacy in my mind to create this this, uh, environment for learning. Uh, I was a former teacher uh, when I first got out of college as well as a golf pro. Um, Glad you mentioned that. I wanted to bring that up as well. well. I'm (laughs) I'm terrible now. But but, uh, uh, I've always believed that, uh, you know, you can impact people by giving them knowledge. And, you know, the quest for knowledge is, um, I think it's universal. So if there was any legacy that I would want to uh, consider, it would be that uh, I was part of the, uh, the, the team that was uh, spurring uh, education <coughs> and getting people uh, excited about uh, the future instead of afraid of it. Um, when, on the show we've been talking a lot about, we've had a couple of guests specializing in AI. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I work with manufacturers and the manufacturers are concerned for their employees that, you know, there's a big concern that AI will replace people. And what these experts, as far as they can see the future, because it's really hard for anyone to see the future right now, they, they can have visions of it, but it's hard to determine what exactly it's going to be. But they say, look, if you, if you get your arms around AI, you're going to be a valuable employee because it's not going to replace you. You're, you're going to need to learn how to work with it. And if you need to learn how to work with it, your value will be increased as an employee. Do you agree with that statement, number one? And do you see AI as a big part of that education and where things are going? Well, I, uh, again, I like to do these anecdotal things. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I like had, it too. I had personal experience with AI back before it was called AI. Um, at my company, we had bought a computerized routing system, which replaced the hand routing that... Uh, our guys were doing. So the first four months of this machinery being delivered, it became a storage table. Nobody (laughs) wanted to use it. (laughs) And then as they started to get acclimated to how it worked and the uh, preciseness and the uh, consistency of uh, uh, the product, as well as uh, lowering uh, times for us to uh, be competitive on other, um, other projects, they began to embrace it. and um, I would imagine they became experts over time. They became experts and they became, uh, I remember when one of the machines went down, it was like uh, everybody was forlorn, you know? <laughs> right. Because right, right. uh, they didn't really, uh, they didn't want that to happen, obviously. So I, I think that, you know, people are, if you look around, you you see all different forms of AI. I mean, you see it in your coffee maker. Right. You know, right. I, I woke up this morning at 6 o'clock and I had a pot of coffee. So I, 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 I'm beginning, it just recently occurred to me that everything we're dealing with, yeah. is, everything that's smart is using AI. That's exactly it. Right, right. So it's it's pretty amazing that we... We think it's a new thing, but it's been around for a while. And um, we, uh, you know, not that we take it for granted, but it's already there. And if we want to, you know, if we want to become masters of our 
destinations, I guess, we need to embrace it, you know, going forward. Well, that's the whole key. I mean, you know, if, if you're afraid of it, you may as well move to the middle of uh, the woods and the Montana mountains and, you know. Um, I want to get to more about your legacy, but before that, tell me what you read because you're an interesting guy. You've got a lot of things of interest that are forward-looking. I, I, I'm, I'm interested in what you read. Well, you know, uh, I'm very interested in water, water reclamation. Because once you run out of water, there's no, <laughs> there's no uh, good, uh, good answer for uh, for life. So uh, I'm interested in uh, why uh, we've gotten ourselves into the position we're in, where we have droughts everywhere, mm-hmm. in areas that get, you know, six, seven, eight feet of water, and it's because they're poorly managed. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm interested in, in how water can be reused. You know, you look at Bermuda, there's no fresh water on the island. Mm. They get all the water off their roofs and they go into cisterns. So we talked about the water problems in Florida. It's it's legion. I mean, they, you know, the, the answer is to, to have these, uh, uh, little canals that border the streets that are mosquito pits. I mean, there's all these unintended consequences. On the other hand, so I do a lot of work with technology in Israel, and and in Israel, they, they mainly because they had to, they have figured out how to how to sure. reclaim and use water. And California, yep. as you mentioned, has to, so they're getting their arms. Well, around. look at what's going on too, and throughout the Middle East. I mean, in Qatar and Dubai, and right. I mean they're. They're doing some incredible things yep. with uh, sustainability, and yep, and uh, you know we we need to uh, be more focused on that. Plus, I I read a lot about uh, material sciences and you know how one thing impacts on the other. It's like the building envelope. How does that impact on the uh, uh, diminishment of um, costs for heating and cooling? I mean, it's something people don't think about. So the common theme is basically technology is, is what you're reading about. It sounds like Abs- yeah. yeah. Well, technology and sports. Okay, there you <laughs> go. Good, good. You have something that's fun. Well, it's all fun, really. But it's well, sports is more fun, right? I, right. I understand. Um, what uh, you mentioned your legacy in terms of, I guess, civilization, because that's really what you're building. But you have eight grandchildren. Is there anything you'd like to see happen for their generation? Well, I'd like to see them inherit a world that makes sense to them. You know, and and it's funny, we were visiting my grandkids in California not too long ago, and we're sitting around the dinner table, and instead of having a a conversation, uh, they were all on their phones. Right. And I said, what are you doing? Right. You know? Right. So. Common thing these days. Yep. Um, One last question. We have a minute left. Um, What advice, Mike, would you give to your younger self if you were looking back? Uh, I tell myself not to be so stupid. I tell myself not to think that uh, I had all the answers. Right. Um, and, you know, we all get off the path. The older you get, the less you know kind of thing. Yeah, we all get off the path, Mark. Right. And, you know, it's hard to stay on the path. But, you know, if you're true to your conscience, it's uh, it's where you should go. Excellent. Well, with that, I think we're about finished with our show today. Mike Binder, I'd love, thanks so much for being here today. It's been a great conversation. Gets my juices going. And I'd like to thank all of you for being here with us today on Founders Forum. 
Have a great Thanksgiving if you're listening to this live on the radio. And uh, we'll look forward to seeing you next week on Founders Forum. We hope you enjoyed your time with Founders Forum today and you found value to take with you throughout your day. Join us again next week for another episode of Founders Forum.